Welcome to Capital Conversations, the ERLC's podcast from Washington, D.C., where we help Christians imagine a new way to engage in the public square. I'm your host, Chelsea Soplick. Our conversations cover the policy debates and news shaping our world as we aim to connect our Christian theological motivations to political engagement in Washington. My hope for this podcast is that these conversations would foster a new way for Christians to engage in the public square. This week, our guest is David Curry. David is the president and CEO of Open Doors USA. And before I uh, share his very impressive bio with you, I wanted to let you know that this interview is actually a video interview that I did with David, but we also wanted to share it as a podcast. So uh, you could consume this interview in in multiple different ways. If you're interested in watching the video, you can head over to urlc.com to check that out. But wanted to provide this conversation to you, our Capital Conversation Listeners, because um, this week is the opening of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, and there's been a lot of conversations around the Uyghur genocide and how China is allowed to continue hosting these Olympics. And there's a lot of conversation pointing out um, and rightly talking about what's happening to the Uyghur people and China's human rights abuses of multiple different types of uh, ethnic and uh, religious minorities. And certainly in that category is Christians. So today on this show, David and I are going to talk about where it is the most dangerous place in the world Uh, to be a Christian. But we wanted to bring you this timely conversation as people are thinking about how to handle the Winter Olympics and and what our response should be. But also, it's so important for us to be reminded of what our brothers and sisters around the globe are facing. So I wanted to to preface um, the conversation with all of that. But um, I want to read his bio. David is incredibly accomplished. Uh, But David Curry advocates on behalf of those who are persecuted for their Christian faith. He provides leadership to open doors in its mission to strengthen and equip Christians who live under extreme restrictions, while encouraging those believers to remain strong in their faith. For over 60 years, Open Doors has worked in the world's most oppressive regions, empowering and equipping persecuted Christians in more than 60 countries by providing Bibles, training, and programs to help strengthen the church. Since assuming the role of CEO in August of 2013, David has traveled extensively to encourage those living under persecution and support the work of Open Doors. In addition, Curry is often present in Washington, D.C., advocating for religious freedom at the highest levels of government. He has testified before the House Foreign Affairs Committee and met with a wide range of policymakers in Washington from both sides of the aisle, including at the White House, in the Senate, and at the U.S. State Department. Curry appears frequently on Fox News and is a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. He has also been published or featured in sources such as CBS News, CNN, The Washington Post, Christianity Today, USA Today, The Christian Post, and other news outlets. Prior to coming to Open Doors, Curry served as CEO and president of Christian organizations that serve the homeless and neglected children in several countries, including India and Peru. Curry is the author of four books and holds a bachelor's degree from Northwestern University in Seattle and an honorary doctorate from Faith Evangelical College and Seminary based in Washington. 
David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate all the work you all are doing in D.C. and around the world. Well, thank you. Um, before we we get into the World Watch List, can you uh, just share a little bit about what Open Doors is and what your mission is? Well, we started over 70 years ago with one single man. He took the code name Brother Andrew back in the days of the Soviet Union in the Cold War, and he smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain. Now, all these years later, that work continues. We've also realized that there's a lot of things that we know about what's going on in some of these various uh, countries around the world where religious liberty, particularly persecution of Christians, is intense and religious liberty is non-existent or under pressure. And so 25 or more years ago, we began to compile that data. We did it initially for ourselves to know, like, where do we want to invest our ministry dollars? And then we quickly realized there's value for the State Department, for others, as to where they should be thinking about either investing in ministry, praying um, for governments to speak out about what's happening to Christians and, and minorities, uh, religious minorities in some of these countries. So that's where it all began. Our heart is still to support and stand with Christians where they're most persecuted. So that's how we uh, view the world. That's great. And I said this before I hit record, but the World Watch List is one of the most helpful tools um, in our advocacy as we advocate for religious uh, freedom globally. So thank you for it. And I use it, uh, and we'll get into to how we can use it to pray, but I, I use it in my personal life as well. So I'm, I'm just very grateful. So diving right in, one of the most um, eye-opening things as I read through the report was the number one ranking has changed. Can you talk about that? Well, in the 25 plus years we've been researching, this is the biggest, most seismic shift because Afghanistan is now number one on the world watch list for many years I think since 2002, North Korea has been number one. And everybody understands a bit about North Korea. It's very opaque. There's a lot we don't know. But it is a communist system which has control over the borders, over food supply, where you live, everything. And Christians are considered the number one enemy of the state. They've been number one. And interestingly, Chelsea, it's gotten worse. Their score increased Mm. as well. But yet... This year, Afghanistan is number one on the world watch list because of what happened in August and the repercussions to the Christian community and religious minorities. When the Taliban took over, they quickly got a list of Christians, prominent Mm. Christians, began to track them down, looking for them, going door to door, hoping to uncover the greater network of Christians that existed in Kabul and other cities around Afghanistan. So, The following violence is why Afghanistan has risen to number one this year. So what is life like for Christians who are in Afghanistan? You mentioned after the United States left, the the Taliban tracking down prominent Christians. But what is life like kind of on a a daily basis or a weekly basis for Christians? Well, let me give you some context about what life was like prior. Mm -hmm. Taliban controlled 65 to 70 percent of the regions that would be more rural. They had control over that already. And so many people left the rural areas, particularly people of faith, and went into the cities. So Kabul mm-hmm. went from 500,000 people to 5 million people wow. who were escaping what was happening in the Taliban regions. Mm-hmm. So it's disingenuous for the current administration. And I wish them the best. I hope that, of course, they're 
you know, they, they control a lot of what happens. So I want them to succeed in making this a great country. But it's disingenuous to say we did not know what was going to happen because we knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now they control the city. They're going in there and these Christians that were, were uh, relatively safe in that one particular pocket it still wasn't greatly safe as you and I would know it. But now mm-hmm. they've now gone underground again and are either on the run have left the country or are existing somewhere underground in secret. To be a Christian there means to be very private. They're almost all from an Islamic background who've come Mm. to accept Jesus. They read a Bible, were introduced to the teachings of Jesus and decided for themselves that they wanted to be a Christian. And so they are at great risk because the Taliban and their ideology sees them as apostates, as enemies of Islam. And that Mm. gives them the justification to kill them on sight. Mm, that's terrifying. Um, and we'll get into how we can pray, but a good reminder for us to be praying for Christians in Afghanistan. Um, so we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. How have governments used the COVID-19 pandemic to either increase restrictions on churches or kind of amp up persecution of Christians and religious minorities? Well, a lot of COVID relief has gone through governments into local territories. And where those territories are controlled by Islamists or Hindu extremists, we've seen that they refuse to give aid to Christians because they say, well, you're not, you don't pay Islamic tax, so therefore you don't get to have this relief, or you're not you're an apostate, you're you're an enemy of Islam, so you don't get it. So we did see a, a restriction of of relief, food relief, Sanitary stuff uh, re- and healthcare re- related to COVID, you know, it wasn't getting to some Christian populations, particularly in India. We saw it first, then Pakistan, then we saw it in Africa. That still exists. Uh, we try to call it out when we see it, draw it to the attention of the of the centralized governments. Sometimes they care, sometimes they don't. Then you do have terrorist groups like in Nigeria, Boko Haram, made a point of trying to attack. Christian villages and take their COVID relief supplies, masks and so forth. So that certainly has happened. And that's reflected in some of the pressure and the issues in the national life uh, of a particular country or region. Absolutely. Evil finds a way. And like you highlighted, a lot of governments have been very sneaky and used the COVID-19 pandemic to increase persecution. What has surprised you about the global church? Um, Of course, as you highlight, there's persecution um, in many, many countries. But what's something that you know either surprised you or, or might surprise us about the global church? Well, I think one thing that's surprising in a negative sense is how Africa has become mm. you know, a center of violence against mm-hmm. Christians. There's this middle band across the continent that has extremist Islam cutting all the way across the northern parts of Nigeria, all the way over to Somalia. And that is forcing its way down into some of these countries that have large Christian populations. So there's going to be a clash of civilizations, right. so to speak, clash of ideologies, and it's going to be brutal. And it's a young population demographically. There's a lot of corruption in the governments. It's a toxic mix. And so I think that's going to continue to be a very violent region. Uh, on the positive side, what you see is this, that, and this is my encouragement to believers in their particular stress or difficulty is that when the church is united 
that we're not divided by denominationalism or whatever, but that we understand that people who are called by the name of Jesus, who believe in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, it's the fundamental things. If we all can agree on those things, those are our brothers and sisters. If we stay together and we stay rooted in the Bible, the church can grow even in persecution. You hear a lot of discussion in the American church about some of the things around the fringes that is oppressing us. That's not our greatest challenge. Our greatest challenge is that we don't communicate well with each other, that uh, we have all these infighting between denominations, that we kind of drift away from the scripture. We have our own idea based on denominationalism or whatever. That is the sickness of the Western church, but we can see a solution in what's happening in the in the church abroad, where people are like, over, let's overlook the difference around the fringes. We all believe in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters. Let's go back to the scripture. Let's mm-hmm. rally in community together. I think that's the combination that we see in the persecuted church, that when it happens, the church grows even under great oppression. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a formula there. No, that's very helpful. And I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that. Um, so I mentioned this earlier that I use the world watch list in my private prayer life to pray for persecuted uh, believers. Can you walk us through how either um, an individual, a small group, a church can use the world watch list uh, to pray for persecuted believers? Well, I personally think with all of the drama going on, if you're anywhere near the news or social media, you can quickly become inundated and really callous to drama or overwhelmed by it. It's like either Mm -hmm. or, either you just totally tune it out and you don't want to hear any more bad news or you're just like every day is a new wave. I think the way to do it is to look at at, at this as God teaching you and inspiring you through the stories of the persecuted church on this list. There are people in North Korea and in Afghanistan whose faith would absolutely inspire you. So Mm -hmm. I don't look at it simply as information. This is these are people of great faith. I met with this group in Iran, uh, Iranian family a few weeks ago in Turkey. I mean, the miraculous way in which they heard about Jesus Mm -hmm. in Iran was just stunning. We we shot a video of it and hopefully it'll be up on opendoorsusa.org either today or uh, this week. But their life was totally transformed. The dad was a drug addict and alcoholic and so Mm -hmm. forth. I mean, that's those stories of courage and faith and also how Jesus meets you in the midst of your problem. Mm -hmm. And I have problems. You have problems. We all have challenges. I mean, I think I look at, at it for inspiration and spiritual strength first. And secondly, I do want to know, like, what is it like to be a follower of Jesus in Afghanistan? Your question, mm-hmm. because it informs me about what to see, how, how I see the world and how to pray. And what's interesting is it's different everywhere. There's not a lot of violence, for example, in Saudi Arabia against Christians, number 11 on the world watch list. And you might say, oh, that's interesting. I guess it's not a problem. Well, they're not they're not public. They're not allowed. There's mm-hmm. no churches. There's nowhere to attack. So it's different there. It's like this squeeze, like this massive control. Whereas in Nigeria, you have millions and millions of Christians in the South, but you have thousands of them that are executed for their faith. Mm-hmm. Almost 5,000 were killed, wow. you know, executed for being a follower of Jesus last year that we know of. It's certainly more than that. So I think it helps us give us context. And you're never, ever, ever going to read about all of this in mainstream media. They don't want to talk about it. When you think about the the vulnerability of Christian women around the world, it's the most vulnerable group in the world because they're Mm -hmm. women in Islamic societies. 
are, are not considered equals, and they're Christians. So it's like they're seen as the worst. The double persecution. Yeah. It's the yeah. double persecution. They're allowed, Islamic jihadists allow them to kidnap, rape, sexually mm-hmm. assault, force marriage, sell into prostitution, and they feel justified to do it. So yes. I think there's that thing. It's like if we get fired up about anything, how about we get fired up about the stuff that Jesus cares about mm-hmm. for our brothers and sisters around the world? So I think there's a bunch of ways to do it. But it's meant, as I started out to say, that you try to connect with what's important to Jesus and not just let me lay a burden on you or some list lay a burden on you to overwhelm you. I think it's going to stir your heart in a good way. And I think that's healthier. I really appreciate that. And I know it's been helpful in my own personal life. It gives me a roadmap to know how to pray specifically for Christians in North Korea or Saudi Arabia and and whatnot. So as we wrap up, you know, people might be listening to this and say, how could I get involved? What are some some ways that I can get involved and either advocate for persecuted Christians or serve them? What, what are some kind of action items you would you would direct people well, to? Well, I think it's, it's super important to share this list, especially this week around the world watch list, because China and others are watching to see if if we're if we understand what's going on. They care. They follow it. They follow Facebook. They follow Twitter. All these sorts of things, and they want. Uh, I think they need to hear our outrage, as I said earlier in my announcement. So I think sharing it so that we can know the stories, tell the stories, pray for these stories, I think is terribly important. And then just pray for protection, for provision, and for boldness for the persecuted church wherever they may be. Very helpful. Well, David, thank you so much for, again, how faithfully you lead Open Doors and for your ministry. We're very grateful. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is Capital Conversations, an ERLC podcast from Washington, D.C. If you enjoyed today's show, send a link to this podcast to a friend or family member in your community. Be sure to subscribe to Capital Conversations so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review to help others find the show. Resources from today's episode are available in the show notes and at erlc.com. And in addition to listening to Capital Conversations, be sure to check out our other ERLC podcasts. The Digital Public Square airs every Monday, and its host is Jason Thacker, who is one of the leading voices on technology and culture. The ERLC podcast is our flagship show and airs every Friday. Lindsay and Brent give a rundown of what the ERLC has been working on that week, including updates on our work in Washington, D.C. Search for The Digital Public Square and The ERLC Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to being back together with you next time. 